0: This is The Education Show, unlocking opportunities in teaching and learning through collaboration. Proudly brought to you by Zabuza.net. Once again, a very warm welcome to The Education Show, a special guest today and uh, somebody I've been looking forward to talking to because she's always fun to talk. As I was saying talk to, I thought, no, maybe I should go talk with because, you know, talking to or talking at isn't so good. Uh, it is um, CEO and founder of Futureproof SA, and uh, well, she's becoming more and more of a full-time Batman now, but it is Lisa Ellingworth. Hello, Lisa.
1: Hello, David. Thank you. And I so love the fact that you can introduce me by my official titles. And everyone said, you know, you can't call yourself Batman unless it actually exists on your business card. And so, right there and then, I phoned the graphic designer and said, we need new business cards, and they literally say Batman on them.
0: <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Why? Well, let's let's start off. I want to get into a little bit about who and what Lisa is. Just let's start off with with that burning question: Why Batman?
1: Well, Batman is a superhero, and and we like to call ourselves superheroes particularly in the business of Future Proof, which is catalyzing entrepreneurial action and thinking in kids from as young as the age of five. And first of all, it gives us a level of relatability to kids because most of them don't know what entrepreneurs are and what they do. And so we start off with a very basic educational concept, um, which was theorized by a guy called the name of Vygotsky, and he talks about this thing called the zone of proximal development. Now, I know I'm talking to a bunch of educators here, so this will will probably be old hat for most of them. But the zone of proximal development effectively takes a child, when they are learning, from what they know to what they don't know and links those neural pathways together so that you don't get knowledge in isolation. You know, that, that old saying of, well, you learned a bunch of things at school, but you have absolutely no idea how to apply them. That's because they didn't move in the zone of proximal development. Now, when we talk about being a superhero, we talk about you know, the superpowers, the fact that you need to be thinking like a superhero, doing things that most people would normally consider a little bit crazy, and then we move them into the understanding of being an entrepreneur. So you're moving them in the zone of proximal development from what they know to what they don't know. Now, Batman in particular has no superpowers and thus is the only superhero without superpowers and yet still believes that he is a superhero. And that's effectively what an entrepreneur does. They have the mentality, the characteristics, the behaviors, and the traits of a superhero without necessarily having any superpowers. And that's why
0: Batman. Okay. Very succinct and well put. Lisa, tell me a little bit about about yourself though. I mean, growing up, what happened, where did you go, and how did you eventually end up with this idea of, of future-proof essay?
1: So I grew up in Johannesburg in South Africa. I went to a government school. So stock standard, rough and tough on the playgrounds, and and then also government high school. You know, a fairly average upbringing. Um, my dad is German, and so you know, we only we only want to hear von Kleck. That was sort of the way the household <laughs> ran. <laughs> and he is an oh, still is an avid sportsman. Um, we were brought up, you know, competing at very high levels in sport, uh, mostly because it was expected of us, and and that built a certain degree of tolerating the uncomfortable. Because when you're training, when you're in the pool at six o'clock in the morning and it's still very cold uh, and your father's standing at the edge of the pool yelling at you or, you, you know, you go to what used to be the health and rackets. And I'm giving away some age now. And, and he's sort of standing on the side of the exercise bike, like pushing up the numbers to ensure that you're training at, at an uncomfortable level. It builds a muscle in you. And I think a lot of parents today seem to not try and build this muscle in kids. They try and make it as easy as possible. And what they actually do is they create a rod for their own backs. But uh, we were definitely not brought up like that. Um, and then sort of going through uh, you know schooling and um, you know I was sort of pushed into leadership positions, which I, I didn't really appreciate, um mostly before my time, and was quite resentful uh, through throughout school, but I was try- being forced into being a leader, and I didn't want to be. And then left school. I went and actually studied first six months of a BCom, communications. And, and looking back now, it was probably a good move, but I hated it. I had to do accounts for the very first time, and I'd never done accounts in school. Wow. That is uh, <laughs> a stretch for anybody. <laughs> so eventually after six months, decided, no thanks, hard pass, and, and I left. And then I was um, basically had to go and pay back my varsity fees for those that I'd spent six months and squandered. And I went and I worked as an au pair in a Turkish ambassador's house in Hyde Park. Uh, and this is where I sort of got to grips with the fact that this is where I'd like to be. I'd like to be in teaching. I'd like to be working with kids. And then enrolled myself into what used to be JCE, Johannesburg College of Education, and now it's, it's, a bit and I actually went through that transition while I was at Varsity there. And I did a four-year B, uh, B-Ed, specializing in English and Zulu. Those were my two subjects. Crazy. And, and through that, it, you know, loved it, although I was working two jobs just to pay for Varsity. I was working as an au pair in the afternoons, and I was teaching Latin and ballroom dancing in the evenings. Uh, and then still trying to fit in assignments all the way through that which was absolutely crazy. So, so you know, molded myself around working and studying at the same time, left university and worked as an intermediate-faith teacher at I.L. Griffith Primary School under uh, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Richard Hayward, who was also an English teacher and therefore quite invested in how I conducted my English classes, which was definitely not the way Dr. Richard Hayward would have conducted his English classes. <laughs> <laughs> Are we surprised, David? Are we surprised? <laughs> <laughs> knowing,
0: you then, have, knowing you as I have, knowing you as I've come to know you, no, not in the slightest bit surprised.
1: <laughs> and at that stage, I wasn't married, and my maiden name was Clastaman. And <laughs> the kids love me. In fact, I'm still friends with some of them today. In that first year. But they used to laugh at me and they used to say to me, Ms. Clasterman, you spend more time in, in Dr. Hayward's office than we do because I was just always in trouble. <laughs> so, <laughs> And I should have twigged at that point that I just don't fit. I'm a great educator, but I'm a terrible teacher. And that's, that's the epiphany that came to be once I'd left the country. I spent three years in Lima in Peru uh, on an expat posting with my then husband, and and then i came back to south africa with two very small children uh, both under the age of 3 years old and i uh, was getting divorced and i had to find a way of finding purpose and meaning reinventing myself but also adding something valuable back using the skill set that i had acquired in all of this and so i thought okay i'm going to start a business and i picked up a business studies textbook thinking Okay. I'm a teacher. So I've got this under my belt. Let me, let me use what's in my wheelhouse in order to upskill me because I can learn and I can learn from what I know into let's start a business. And I picked up this business studies textbook and it taught me nothing. Absolutely zip for what I needed to actually start a business. And this brought about that horrific uh, moment of realization that what we are teaching at school in our syllabus is growing in irrelevance for what the world needs and so i i had uh you know done a, a postgraduate in curriculum design i just glossed over that part but then went and actually built a curriculum for entrepreneurship based on a behavioral outcomes model which is very different to the current model which is a knowledge outcomes model where we measure and test knowledge Entrepreneurship, in its in its entirety, the success is based in the kind of person that is um, is evident. And so you need to create a model that measures and tests behaviour as outcomes, not knowledge. And so we went in and and I, I worked with some individuals and built out this curriculum based on what was available around the world, best practice from Babson University, from Kaufman Foundation, from the Erasmus Institute, and pulled together this curriculum. And that became the foundation of intellectual property for the first version of Future Proof, and then we renamed, rebranded, and put it together about two and a half years ago now. And Future Proof SA now runs programs around the country. We've reached about 3,500 kids around south africa that have gone through the program and last well this year feels like last year this year we launched future proof online and next year we actually hit our first post post-metric program so there's some exciting things coming up and i know that we'll get into that but that in a very long nutshell apologies is how lisa got to her third child which is effectively future proof south africa
0: yeah and and, and i think this one uh, this one is is Maybe a bit a bit more challenging than the first two. We'll we'll talk a little bit about that. I'm amazed that you sort of did, did English and Zulu, because if I really stretch my knowledge now, I could turn around to you and go, "Uyasazi isizuluna."
1: Rootlega cool, And that's
0: that's about it for me, okay? Because then then it rapidly devolves into to unpleasant words, but. Uh, It it fascinates me. Is it just, are you, because we we say founder and CEO, but are are you the the sort of only shareholder in the business or are there others in the business with you in a shareholder position or in other positions?
1: So, yeah, the the business was built to scale. And I know this is such a buzzword at the moment, scalability and scale and pivot and all those rubbish things. It's so over-commercialized. But the business itself was built to scale. So from the outset, we had other shareholders in the business. I hate echo chambers. I hate sitting there and hearing my own voice reverberated back to me from the people around me. So <clears throat> I brought in um, a guy by the name of David Wilson, who is a phenomenal individual who's, who's able to gently bring about perspective without, you know, ripping you from your comfort zone, which is such a skill. And then added to that about a year later, I was reading um, a book by a gentleman in me who was talking about lift as you rise. And it was how the philosophy of sharing just in its most basic form means that collectively everybody moves together. And I think this is a lesson for me throughout business is that if one individual group collective profits at the expense of another, the collective movement is zero. And so when I was mm. reading this book, Lift As You Rise, it was that collectively we need to move together forward. And so I brought along a um, black uh, shareholder into the business who is absolutely phenomenal. There is no window dressing there whatsoever. She sits in the President's Fourth Industrial Revolution Commission. She is uh, you know, an actuary. She is incredible in that she crosses you know, the T's and dots the I's, whereas I am completely the opposite. And again, it brings about that perspective in the business. So there are three shareholders in Future Proof South Africa. We managed to get our BE status out of that, which has opened up a lot of opportunities for us. And then on top of that, I have a 50% black female board as well. Um, I have a CFO, Lorato, who is just a firecracker and holds the keys to the budget very tightly. And then underneath that, province managers, marketing manager, CTO, and, and then 44 coaches around the country who are all entrepreneurs themselves and are coaching kids in how to be entrepreneurs.
0: 44. Man, that's, that's, a, yep. that's a, sizable, a sizable amount. Let's just take a little bit of a step back because you, you mentioned something where you say that uh, our education system is, is based around knowledge. Now, when you first started articulating that, and that you didn't agree that that was necessarily the optimum way to go. You must have had a lot of pushback.
1: I still have pushback. (laughs) It has not changed (laughs) in the six years that this business existed. It has not changed. It is one of the most, I don't know, I want to say suspicious industries in this country. Education is incredibly hard to establish credibility within. And so, That message of what you are teaching, what you are testing, um, what you are measuring against becomes incrementally more irrelevant as time passes. So almost exponentially more irrelevant because what we know constantly changes on a daily basis. Daily basis now. I mean, we found this over the last period of lockdown these moving goalposts all of the time. What we've known about COVID-19 has changed on a daily basis. If you tested what people knew yesterday about COVID-19 and what you tested today, you might get the test wrong today. So testing for knowledge and measuring for knowledge becomes more and more irrelevant. And when you preach that message to a system that is built on a syllabus of knowledge you are you're you're labeled an anarchist and, and nobody likes those particularly in education
0: True to a large degree and yet i've found and, and, and that's one of the reasons we're having a chat today is there are people like like malcolm from uh, zibusa.net uh who who mm. bring you this show that are starting to think differently and i've spoken to a couple of amazing educators over the last little while and your idea is now no longer seeming as radical as it once did because more and more people, and, and even people within the education framework are going, but hang on, you know, we, we, we're doing all this uh, this book learning and people are able to regurgitate facts and figures and yet when you send them out into the big wide world, very often they, they are, they're not equipped, you know, and, and entrepreneurship is, is a wonderful, wonderful thing and I think something that our country sorely needs is more entrepreneurs. But the, the change is there. It's, it's happening. Are you, I mean, I know you said there's a lot of pushback, but are you noticing the change amongst educators? Because this is surely with what you do. It's a process of teaching the teachers as well.
1: Yeah, it is. And taking the teachers along a journey of self-discovery, which is such a fulfilling journey to walk with them. Malcolm and I see very much eye to eye in entrepreneurship education. Him being an owner and a founder himself And having walked those very hard yards of starting a business, of going through the pains of what it takes and the sacrifices of what it takes. And I mean Zibuza is the most incredible platform I have seen in a very long time. With the educators that exist on that and the way he's building that business out, it's amazing. And so with with people like that, with partners like that, some of them outside the industry, some of them inside the industry, what we are seeing is, is some change and some shift. But unless the fire to which the teacher's feet are being held is, is changed, they're not going to be able to shift what happens in the classroom. So whilst I definitely see the will to move towards teaching entrepreneurship, towards embedding traits, towards a more behavior-based, even around the, the positive education movement with Craig Carolan, there's some amazing things that are happening there. But until what is measured is changed. I mean Edward Deming says, what you measure is what you get. And unless we change the measurements, we won't change what we
0: get. And I think that's vital when, when, when you mention that. Because if I think back to, to my time in school and, and some of my mates that I used to hang around with in school, who I'm still friends with today, none of us… You really, have friends? What? You, yeah, really? You have friends? Yeah. Yeah, 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 rent a friend. Wow. Rent wow. a friend. It's quite I easy need, to do. I need
1: one. I need
0: one of those. Do you? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll hook you up. <laughs> so you were talking about
1: your friends.
0: Darkies, so and so. <laughs> but but none of them were, were sort of, you know, they they didn't excel at academics at all, and yet the the majority of them have gone on to run their own businesses, and I'm talking about my close circle of friends, and, and to be self-employed and strangely enough some of those kids that that had the 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 highest academic marks at school the boffins as we call them kind of just settled into jobs and to me a job stands for just over broke you know Mm -hmm. and and i i don't play well in the sandpit with other children so so that's why i like to be able to determine my my own sort of income you know and then one of my favorite sayings is you're not the boss of me don't tell me what to do and that's, I suppose, a throwback to, to my childhood, which I still haven't finished with, by the mm-hmm. way, because I believe it's never too late to have a happy childhood.
1: <laughs> and you you, and every other entrepreneur that suffers from that Peter Pan complex, you know, where we never <laughs> ever want to grow up. Um, it's, yeah, it's quite typical. Trap. It is a trap. and But it, it's also that, you know, the schooling system expects conformity and it rewards conformity and it measures conformity, Uh, it measures the knowledge output so those with really good memories were the ones that thrived and also I mean what we're seeing as well today is this trend of of overperformance of this of kids that are being expected to perform at levels that are just completely unrealistic for their stage of development and they're putting themselves under so much pressure to be able to do that I have a high performing child in my eldest and she regularly gets the academic awards, and that's wonderful. That I'm, And I'm incredibly proud that her memory works so very well. But there is more to being a well-rounded citizen than, than what you know. So working on things like emotional intelligence, social intelligence, being able to build up the different capitals within that. Uh, private schools do it exceptionally well where they build relationship capital between people. And they leave school with these amazing networks and they turn out to be incredible entrepreneurs even when they underperformed in school because they've got this incredible wealth of network. So I think whilst there's there's merit to say that entrepreneurs in a system like you and I were educated in are forced to stand out. They're forced to be uncomfortable. They're forced to own who they are quite early on because the system doesn't let them fit in. It also sudden, certainly gives us a level of anxiety, a level of social belonging that we never really attained. And, and at Future Proof, I would dearly love to have a space where kids that don't fit, those that maybe learn differently, those that learn kinesthetically, those that learn interpersonally, where they don't have to sit still and keep quiet to learn, those... That environment for me would at least cater for the user needs on the outskirts of, of the classroom.
0: Yes, I once I once heard somebody describe people that are of of a certain bent, entrepreneurially or, or otherwise, as fringe dwellers. And mm. and when I heard that, I was actually yeah, I'm comfortable with that. I don't mind. I'm comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. But let's let's get back to to the the the, the, the concept of future proof now how then do you go about interacting and getting these kids involved in your programs? Because surely the schools are a part of it.
1: Yes. So there's various ways that that kids get involved in Future Proof. Either the parents go looking for an alternative. We've got a guy by the name of Dan, and Dan is a homeschool child, and he never fits it in the schooling system anyway. And so his mom, who's actually... She's the personal assistant to one of our ministers and has and, and joined our classes and he is just a phenomenal child. You always think that they are obstreperous and that, you know, the fringe dwellers um, have to be, you know, these crazy kids with, with personality disorders, not at all. He's just the most incredible child and the most brilliant entrepreneur and actually serves as mentors to a lot of the other kids in the programs and and so there's that way of accessing which is direct and that comes through the website or it comes through Futureproof online and and they come to boot camps which are over the weekends and sometimes during the week and we have online sessions and online mentoring sessions for them and then there's the the schooling wing or channel and a lot of schools that we work with are very forward-thinking schools they are schools that understand the constraints within CAPS or within the IB syllabus, but they're saying we're not going to accept those constraints as final. We're going to test and stretch where we can because we believe that education is beyond the classroom. And so we work with incredible schools, Uh, Kailami Group of Schools. They're just the most amazing kids. Um, We've worked with inner city schools, kids, kids in Orange you know, Orange Farm, we've worked with kids in Hanover Park uh, at Parkfields Primary School. We've worked with the very, very top end as well of the St. Peter's. And there's an amazing school actually in the middle of Greytown in the Midlands, you know, sort of Northern KwaZulu, Natal, Hermansburg, who are actually, I've never seen a school more committed to holistic education for kids. And, and they tick all the boxes, they do all the compliances and everything that they have to do in order to be compliant with the, gov- with the body. But yet they are adding so much more to kids' lives than, than just what they get in the classroom. So it's those kinds of schools. And they often find us, David. We don't find them. They go and they look for, for programs like ours and for people like ours. And it's just this chemistry match that happens almost immediately with the culture that's in the school and the culture of future proof. And when that happens, there's just magic.
0: Which in and of itself is 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 wonderful because that says to me that there are people out there that that this idea is growing. But when somebody first approaches you and they say, Okay, my little one, my class, whatever the case may be, you know, let's let's get them on to the program. Where does the program start off with? I mean, at what age? And and how do you start training entrepreneurs of, of tomorrow?
1: Yeah, it is a question that everyone asks because it sort of, you know, it exists in the ether and they're like, okay, we understand but we don't <laughs> in Spanish. Actually, we know, but we don't know. There's two words for no in Spanish. It's one that you know it academically. And then there's another word for no, where you've experienced it. And, and that's what the teachers or the school, the parent comes with is we, we kind of know, but we don't really know. So we take them through a program. The first is to understand a behavioral model. So with the teachers, we work with them in building their own program because it's all very well and good that Future Proof swoops in, you know, with bad cape flowing and does, you know, the most amazing intervention, but they don't actually equip the school, the teachers with anything to carry on and get the depth of impact that we require. So we work with the teachers in order to help them build their own entrepreneurial program in the school. We help them build their own entrepreneurial culture in the classroom, which means teaching teachers how to teach kinesthetically, how to teach interpersonally, how to structure games that end up in learning, because that's how kids learn. We learn through games. So, We help the teachers do that. And then we run initially a boot camp, which is a four-module program. It gives kids the introduction into how to think like an entrepreneur. And there are five characteristics that we introduce them to. We teach them how to start and plan a business, which is using the Lean method, the Lean Startup method by Eric Ries. And it really is. Watered, I wouldn't say watered down. I would say it's condensed, simplified into a tool that kids can use. And I mean, even if it's just drawing the pictures like the five year olds can do, it's conceptualizing and starting to train those muscles in the brain in order to think about business. And then we use a, a little game to indicate money management. We use buttons as currency. We set up a virtual or a um, a, a shop where they can actually just buy things and sell things and understand interest and credit. And it's amazing because you think you can't teach this to a five-year-old. But when you've got a little button shop and they can come and buy buttons or buy cupcakes or buy biscuits and they use their buttons and then you ask somebody else over there to open up a, you know, a, a shop where they can go and buy their buttons from, but they have to pay 2 for one color of buttons, and they can swap it out, but they're paying interest. You, you're introducing all of these concepts from a very, very early age, and I think I think we've spoken about this before. But I mean, my kids understand the concept of tax um, because every time we've gone to the shops and they've been afforded a treat, the first chip that they get from their packet or the first sweet they have to pay to mom. And now, when we get in the car, don't even have to ask for tax; tax gets paid immediately. And this concept of tax that's embedded in them from a very very early age, you can teach these concepts. And so the third is money management, and the fourth we teach them in the, in the introduction is we teach them about mentorship and the value of mentorship, and the value of having a network, building relationships and relationship capital with others around them in order to help grow their businesses and then help you. And those are that's the introduction that we run with the schools and boot camps, and then we work with the teachers and those that are showing potential out of those programs and have actually taken entrepreneurial action to go and start their businesses.
0: That is, I mean, it's a phenomenal concept, and, and I am probably one of the biggest fans of what you guys are doing. But now, in our country at the moment, obviously, there, there's a very big divide between the haves and the have-nots. So in order to, to, to go on a program like this how does it work for you? i mean do you do you I would guess that that you being the you that I know would have made a plan for those that are not <laughs> able to necessarily afford the program. How does that look?
1: So what we designed in the mechanics of it and in the business model is a thing called a slipstream, and like you would if you were cycling, you know you get behind someone in their slipstream and you are able to work off their tailwind are private schools that pay for the programs, um, they are offered the opportunity to subsidize a slipstream school. And those schools are the ones that are no fee-paying or low fee-paying schools in previously disadvantaged areas. They have been pre-qualified. So we have a portfolio at the beginning of every year that we start off with, with schools that would qualify for our slipstream. And then they, the school subsidizes, the private school will subsidize half of a Slipstream school and Future Proof will subsidize the other half. So those coaches are giving half of their time to the Slipstream programs. Um, so we've done that. The other way that we've done it is we've actually brought in a sister school. If the private school will then have a sister school that they support, they will actually be brought into the program. And you get a beautiful cross-pollination of the haves and the have-nots in programs like that where you're getting this, this cultural awareness that's being born out of okay, what is my reality and what is your reality in this, and so the slipstream program is a beautiful way that we've been able to afford the opportunities to the have-nots, and and as well as be able to bring about a cultural sensitivity in the haves.
0: Which again, I mean, that's phenomenal. One of the one of the big things that uh, a lot of people are talking about at the moment is is EQ. Uh, or your emotional mm. intelligence, and I think that's also vital. And, and you know, as part of, of, of an entrepreneurial journey, that is that is one of the pillars, I believe, anyway. So it's great to hear that you're doing that. Talk to me about, about uh, Future Proof Online, though, because that has been a bit of a labor of love, and and it's something, mm. um, at least to me as an outsider, you played your cards fairly close to your chest before the launch of, <laughs> of, of Future Proof Online. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. What is what is that aimed at? Who is that aimed at?
1: I love how you say that, but quite frankly, you were quite cheesed off that I hadn't told you <laughs> about Future Proof Online. Zigactly.
0: <laughs> 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 but I was diplomatic this time.
1: <laughs> um, Future Proof Online was definitely a labour of love. It was in the same vein as building a scalable business and off the back of Salim Ishmael's exponential organizations, the philosophy behind that is take something that is constrained by the human factor, replace the human factor with technology and you have a level of scalability that never existed before. And that's what Future Proof Online was. So we took uh, 32 learning nuggets and we broke them up into 10 levels uh, and and quests within that. And it's accessible online, obviously, Future Proof Online. What it does is it takes kids through the scaffolded learning of being an entrepreneur, building one learning nugget on top of another until the point where the entrepreneur at level 10 is able to understand things like financial processes, is able to do a mock board meeting and create a board pack. But from the really basics, understand value, money, cash, credit. And, and what I've noticed is in putting this out to the public and getting some great feedback, a lot of the parents are saying, sure, but I didn't know half of the stuff that I was learning through Future Proof Online, which is lovely feedback. But... What it does for the business is we're able to get a lot more reach. We're able to extend and deepen our reach into kids that aren't necessarily able to get to -to face-to-face programs. And what's so lovely is that the way the program is built, we never had to actually sacrifice any of the learning science. There is still interpersonal learning that happens because kids can book like Zoom coaching sessions through the system. You know, they can interact with one another. They've got a little portfolio that they develop where they have to go and do a lean model canvas or they have to go and interview a customer and upload the voice note. You know, this kind of thing that technology enables is for us to be with the kids, continuously learning with them without necessarily having the constraint of a face-to-face interaction.
0: So yes. does this mean it's more affordable?
1: It's it's a lot more affordable. So it starts at eighty nine rand a month for kids to subscribe to Futureproof Online. And um, we're actually working on some really nice affiliate partnerships with other companies where it's bundled with a whole bunch of education services. And I can't tell you which those are just yet, but I am at least mm-hmm. giving you the heads up. I know I know you hate it when I do that, <laughs> um, but I'm just giving you the heads up that it will be bundled with other things. And then next year we go into our first post matric program. I think a lot of matrics this year have felt as though this year has sort of been stolen from them. And, and so we've, we're working with those, some of those schools that I mentioned earlier in building a post matric program. And that's a 12 module program also online. And what I'm so incredibly excited about is is the modality in which it's being delivered. So it is online and it is 12 actual activities that would lead you to having at least the basis of the foundations for a business, qualifying an idea, building a minimal viable product, understanding marketing and finance uh, in this. And so it gives you some really relevant tools while you're completing this this post-matric level and maybe it's one or two subjects that you need to kind of wrap up. And so this bolted onto that is a lovely foundation in which to create a really powerful entry into the world out of education. But on top of that, um, it's, there's a saying that, that goes, if they can't learn how you teach them, teach them how they learn. And so we've really internalized that and we've taken that 12-module program and we've translated it into five official languages. So, material is available. Yeah, the material is available in five official languages, and that's been again that labour of love, but that love for depth of impact, and for people to learn in their own language, to understand in their own language, and to apply in their own language.
0: That's again brilliant. But as as you were saying all of this, I could I could actually picture your CFO's hair turning grey.
1: It doesn't have any left. It's, pulled, it's all pulled out.
0: <laughs> because, you know, that's one of the things I think about, you know, that, that inspires me about entrepreneurs is that very often they can see a vision and a picture that we can't. And it's that, that drive and that belief that makes these things a reality. So, you know, I, I'm guessing, you know, that you've, <laughs> you've invested a lot. In this, in both time, <laughs> money, heart, the whole lot, and and I can only imagine the bean counters were going, Lisa, do you know what you're doing?
1: And that's what makes a beautiful partnership, right? I mean, in any of the scalable businesses that we've seen across the world, is that you've got the the visionary, the you know the the hurricane, as as they like to call me, and then you've got the person that that holds the the keys to the budget, and that that partnership is a good difficult but beautiful tension that needs to be kept and when there's a mutual respect at that level between people i respect wholeheartedly that my cfo has the best interests of the business and myself at heart and she's going to protect us and she respects the fact that i have a vision and that if i don't pursue it she's going to save us poor so we have that and yes, we have tough, hard conversations, and she says, "Oh, Lisa, but I definitely don't act without going back to Lorato and saying, uh, can we do this? And is it going to sink the business if I do?'"
0: And that I, th- I think that's 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 also vitally important. Uh, we're running out of time, as always happens when we when we're enjoying ourselves and, and having a great chat. You mentioned earlier on, Lisa, that that a lot of the parents were saying. That they didn't know a lot of the things that they were learning. Are there plans for future proof adults?
1: No. And that's, and that's a, a difficult one to swallow for most people because they say, why there is a need. Why don't you meet it? I, I don't mind if there's an organic move where parents are being involved in the 12 module program or, you know, people are coming in through some of the CETA programs that we've been working with. And that's generally with young adults in new venture creation using the same modality. But focus and the luxury of it is something that I am militant about. We are good with kids. That's what we do. We know kids. We know how to train kids into thinking entrepreneurially. So if we diversify outside of that, we cannibalize our core value and what we bring. So our core Focus will always be on children. It will always be making them future-proof. That's what I'm committed and that's what the business is committed to doing.
0: That's actually a great answer, you know, and and, and as my mentor always used to say to me, stick to your knitting. So uh, <laughs> you're sticking to your knitting. So that's good. That's, that's actually one of the tamer things that he said to me. I'll, I'll share some of the others at a later stage maybe. Um, <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> Lisa – before I let you go, you know, you, you've spoken about the the, 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 the post-matric year. Um, what's next? What's next for, for Lisa and for Future Proof? And I'm going to put you on the spot now and say, have you considered writing a book yet?
1: Oh, gosh. David, you're like the fifth person that's asked me that in the last couple of months. And, <laughs> like, you know, these universal rhymes that keep coming back. I'd love to write a book at some point. I am 40 next year, so I don't believe that I have enough life under my belt in order to justify, you know, pages between hard covers. I don't, I don't think I've got there yet. I also don't necessarily want to fall into the trap of those that have written books and, and have just based it on the wisdoms and repackaged the wisdoms of other people. I don't want to do that. So I, I don't feel as though I personally have Reach the level of credibility yet that would justify having a book in my own name, and I know like that's sort of self-defeating in a way, but I think it's just my stuff. So once I get to that level of self-actualization, that's okay, warrants a book. Then maybe I'll go that way. But in terms of future-proof, okay, I'm not going to hold my cards close to my chest because you give me so much uphill about it. Uh, We are exploring markets overseas. Um, We have conversations with um, schools in India this week. We have had conversations with Dubai, with uh, Melbourne, um, and with the UK. And so the beauty of Future Proof Online is that it doesn't be dictated to by geographical boundaries. And so we are starting to save the world one entrepreneur at a time.
0: Wonderful stuff. Now, if people want to get involved in saving the world one entrepreneur at a time, where do they go to to get hold of you? Where do they go to find out about the program? Because obviously, being the education show, this is targeted at educators, at learners, at parents. So I think it's a great place for you to tell people, where can we go?
1: So the easiest place to go is www.futureproofsa.com. If you want to bypass all of the fluff about who we are because you listen so intently to this podcast, then you can go straight to Futureproof Online and that's www.futureproofonline.co.za and if there is a burning need to get in contact with myself or the team, it's start at futureproofsa.com.
0: Start, S-T-A-R-T. That's
1: right, like you would start a business
0: start at futureproofsa.com tell them david sent you um and then you'll be guaranteed <laughs> of indifferent service uh, no i'm kidding uh, <laughs> you, uh, the one <laughs> you thing
1: probably get hugs <laughs>
0: <laughs> the one thing i can say about lisa and the team is there are an incredible bunch of people they're incredibly passionate incredibly motivated and and it's not just it's not just words when uh, Lisa says uh, that, that her goal is to to sort of, you know, save the world one entrepreneur at a time and things like that. Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time out and having a chat to us. Uh, I'm sure we're going to chat again at some stage. Uh, I'm like the proverbial bad penny. I keep turning up and demanding attention. So uh, no <laughs> doubt we will chat again. But thank you for having a chat and we wish you all the best with Future proof.
1: David, thank you very much and to Zibuza for giving us the opportunity to preach uh, the good words about entrepreneurship. We appreciate you and we appreciate the channel. Thank
0: you so much. There we go. That was Lisa Ellingworth of Future Proof SAF. That was the Education Show. Simply learn. Join the conversation on Zebuza.net. That's Z-I-B-U-Z-A.net.